0: Yesterday, one day after the shocking FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, Joe Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland has come forward to take responsibility for the unprecedented attack on the former president, who just so happens to be Biden's chief political rival in 2024.
1: Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. Federal law, longstanding department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked.
0: Merrick Garland will not stand by silently while the integrity of the FBI and DOJ leadership is unfairly attacked. How about when it's fairly attacked? Unfair, unfounded, just to be clear. We're talking about the same DOJ and FBI that conspired with the Democrats and fabricated evidence that Trump had colluded with the Russians in order to spy on the Trump campaign. Then later launched a years long $32 million special counsel investigation, also based on nothing to undermine the Trump administration after Trump entered office and then two days ago sent jackbooted thugs to raid the home of the current president's predecessor and chief rival, ostensibly to enforce a law that many other presidents and even presidential candidates such as Hillary Clinton more egregiously have violated without consequence. That's the DOJ. That's the FBI that we're not allowed to criticize, according to Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland, the jilted former federal judge who is now exacting revenge on his political enemies because cocaine Mitch McConnell and the Republicans denied him his dream job on the Supreme Court. How dare you attack my integrity? I'm not going to attack Merrick Garland's integrity or the integrity of the DOJ and FBI leadership because that would imply that they have any integrity to attack, and they do not. They have for years now, revealed themselves to be political hacks whose job it is to destroy Republicans and to let Democrat criminals, such as Hillary Clinton, such as Hunter Biden, we could be here all day if we kept listing the names, to let them off the hook for committing more serious crimes than any of the crimes that they even accuse the Republicans of. In the case of Trump, they have revealed themselves as the boy who cried wolf accusing Trump of all sorts of nonsense, from the fake dossier about the alleged hooker urine tape, you remember that one? That was a doozy, to all the other vague claims of bribes and blackmail and collusion without ever once producing the goods. No evidence whatsoever, just all sorts of insinuation. These people, Merrick Garland in particular, should be ashamed of what they have done to the rule of law in the United States. And as far as I'm concerned- Unless the FBI found severed heads in a freezer at Mar-a-Lago, nothing could justify this raid, which, unlike Donald Trump, poses a genuine threat to our democracy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Inaccessible Cardinal, who says, My New Year's resolution was to drop 10 pounds. I finally hit my target this month. Granted, I gained 78 pounds over the first six months of the year. That's true. Kind of like inflation, don't you think? Inflation goes up, goes up to 40-year record highs, and then it comes down three cents per gallon of gas or whatever. And you say, oh, look, look at how great this is. Zero inflation, negative inflation, which is also bad too, by the way. Biden just doesn't realize that. Absolutely right. Great point. Congratulations and only gaining 68 pounds this year. Good job. When we want to speak the truth, we can't necessarily do so on social media. We can't necessarily do so in the mainstream press. We've got to just talk personally to people that we trust and have respect for. When I want to talk to my friends, you know, I always got to turn to Pure Talk USA. Right now, go to puretalk.com. Use promo code Knowles Podcast. Biden inflation has left every business trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? Who knows? Who knows? They're going to just keep going up and up and up. That's why I love Pure Talk. Pure Talk drew the line and said, no, stop screwing over the American public. When you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you are going to get their best offer yet. One month free. When you sign up with Pure Talk, you will already save probably two-thirds on whatever you're paying right now for your cell phone plan, and you're going to get that talk, that text, that data on America's most reliable 5G network. You're not going to sacrifice any service whatsoever. You're going to pay just 30 bucks a month. And now, on top of that, you're going to get one month free when you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles Podcast for this special offer. When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs, not a company that sends those jobs overseas. You're choosing to support a veteran owned American based company, not to mention a big sponsor of everything we do here at The Daily Wire. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, maybe add a new iPhone, a new Android, then enter promo code KnowlesPodcast to get one month free. The walls are closing in on Trump. They've got him now. Oh, they've got him now. The, The FBI and the DOJ, they've got him. I mean, they've been saying that for seven years straight now. And every time they insinuate or even explicitly claim that he's committed some terrible offense, it never actually happened, and it was always fake, going back to that fake dossier that they cooked up with the Democrats and the Hillary campaign. And then what else? did we have? We had the the urine tape we had. Do you remember the, the Ukraine phone call? The walls are closing in. We've got him now. Trump called. President Zelensky in Ukraine, who for a while was portrayed as corrupt, but now they've switched the narrative on that. So now he's Winston Churchill. But still, he called him bad. Very, that was bad. It's it's Mueller time. You remember that stupid T-shirt? <laughs> remember the Mueller investigation? That's going to take Trump down. The walls are closing in. Where is oh, nope, nothing, nothing. We have nothing on him. Okay, but now that what are they saying they've got now? It's it's so desperate. It's so pathetic. Initially. They were going after Trump for his alleged business corruption. That's why he was just deposed in New York by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. It's his business corruption. that The walls are closing in. And then they said that he violated the Presidential Records Act, which is this part of federal law that says that the National Archives gets to own it basically every piece of paper in the White House. And Trump took some papers, which means he violated the law. We're going to send him to jail now, except- Pretty much every president technically violates the Presidential Records Act. Barack Obama technically violated it. He's kept a ton of documents, millions and millions of documents that he was supposed to turn over to the National Archives that he's just keeping in Chicago at his presidential library. And he said that he was going to digitize them, by the way. The excuse that Obama used to keep all of his documents was, well, I'm going to digitize them and make them public. Five years later, not a single document's been digitized, but okay, that's Barack Obama. This goes back to LBJ violated the Presidential Records Act. Richard Nixon, held, Richard Nixon his, his library held onto tapes until 2010 or 2013. Okay, this has never been enforced. It's, a, it's preposterous. The DOJ was apparently working with Trump to get some of these documents back. They were aware of it. They saw the boxes of documents. They even told him to put a padlock on the room, reportedly. And then the raid. The raid up because the walls are closed. So what are they saying the raid is about now when there was such huge blowback against it? They're saying it's that Donald Trump had nuclear secrets. He stole the nuclear codes or something. That's what the Washington Post had. FBI searched Trump's home to look for nuclear documents and other items, sources say. Okay, so what could that possibly mean? Some people are saying it means the nuclear codes. First of all, if my iCloud account, it makes me change my password every six months. I should hope that the nuclear codes change every once in a while. I hope so. I, I, I have to change my password when I log into Twitter regularly. I, I should hope that uh, the, the codes that could lead to a nuclear apocalypse on Earth, I hope you, can, you have to refresh those, you know, add a few special characters and capital letters. One would hope. But is it, they don't really say it's the codes, though. What do they say it is? They say, this is according to the Washington Post. Uh, now citing the former chief of the Justice Department's counterintelligence section. If it is true that there there is all this classified nuclear information, it would suggest that the material residing unlawfully at Mar-a-Lago may have been classified at the highest classification level. If the FBI and the DOJ believed there were top secret materials still at Mar-a-Lago, that would lend itself to greater hair on fire motivation To recover that material as quickly as possible. And this is why it really doesn't hold up as far as I'm concerned. So first of all, this is all being reported in the Washington Post. The Washington Post is Pravda. The Washington Post is the propaganda bullhorn for the deep state and the establishment. It's been true going back to the 1970s and probably earlier. Second, the sources cited in the Washington Post article are anonymous, as as is frequently the case. And when when the Washington Post reports on Trump, generally you got to take it with a grain of salt because they hate his guts. When it's anonymous sources, you really got to take it with a grain of salt. But then they cite people on the record responding to the anonymous sources. They say this was the highest classification level. Right. If Hillary Clinton had this material at her home, that would be a huge problem on her server because she has never been the president. She was a secretary of state. And so- Hillary Clinton does not have the right to declassify whatever she wants. The president does. The president could have the most super-duper top-secret material in the world. He could then take a picture of it, post it on Twitter. That would be completely legal. That is his right. Because he's the president, and he doesn't work for some hack at the DOJ. He's the president. He can declassify whatever he wants. But then third of all, and this is, I I think, to me, the, the part that really makes this whole thing fall apart. They say this is hair on fire stuff, the sense of urgency. They had to get this back. If it's so urgent, why'd they wait? What's it been, 18, 19 months of the Biden administration? This is so urgent. Why weren't they kicking down the doors at Mar-a-Lago January 2021? If this is so urgent, why were they negotiating with Trump's lawyers? If this was so urgent, why did they see the material and say, okay, no big deal, put a padlock on it? Just doesn't add up. And when you- you Put that in the context of the DOJ and the FBI repeatedly, consistently lying about Trump, fabricating evidence in some cases to get the FISA warrant for Crossfire Hurricane to spy on his campaign. When you look at all of the shenanigans, some, sometimes frequently illegal, that these, these agencies have undertaken to undermine Trump, you just look at this and you say- I don't buy it, kids. I don't buy it. This is an actual, we always hear about the assaults on our democracy. This is an actual assault on our democracy. This is the deep state and the technocrats going after a man who at least once, at least once has been the duly elected president of the United States. When you want to protect yourself, whether it be from freeze, fire, flood, raids, whatever, you got to check out Ring. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash Summer is always super duper busy. We've all been away for a little bit. Maybe you go on vacation, maybe you go visit family. I was in the hospital for a few days while we, uh, well, I, I won't say we gave birth to my new son, but my wife did. And I was, I was very supportive there as well. You know how I can trust to protect my home? A lot of it's thanks to Ring, okay? Ring, not just the video doorbell where you can see and speak to whoever is on the other side of your door, but Ring, also has an award-winning alarm. They've got an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring and if you want to be like me, you can go pro, get Ring Alarm Pro. You protect not just your physical home, the windows and the doors and all that stuff from the freeze and the fire and the flood and the bad guys, but also your digital home, okay? Combines a security system with a fast Eero Wi-Fi 6 router for home security and network security in one device. I love these guys. Absolutely fabulous stuff. Plus, they've been with us pretty much since the beginning of the show. This busy summer, to protect your home, go pro, be a pro just like me, Ring Alarm Pro. Learn more at ring.com slash That's ring.com slash Speaking of the fake news and the squandering of credibility by our public institutions, I don't know whether to laugh or to scream At this headline that was posted on NPR yesterday. NPR, liberal outlet, taxpayer subsidized liberal outlet, reporting on new COVID 19 guidance from the CDC. Here's the guidance. I didn't even believe this was real when I saw this infographic floating around the internet. I said, this has to be a meme or a joke. I tracked down the source. No, it comes from NPR. NPR getting it from the CDC. New COVID 19 guidance from the CDC focuses on individual decisions. Bullet point one, those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. I'm going to skip number two for a second. You'll see why. Number three, students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. Okay. Number four, it's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. Okay. And then number two, unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people
2: unvaccinated people. Ah, 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 ah.
0: It's been two and a half years. People lost their jobs because they refused to take that stupid Fauci ouchie that the libs Including Walensky and Fauci and Biden, all lied about, lied about the efficacy, lied about the safety, lied about the whole thing. They said you have to get it, and if you won't take this experimental drug, you're going to lose your job. You're not going to get to see your dying grandmother in the hospital. You can't go overseas. You can't travel. You can't go to school. You can't do. Never mind. Never mind. Now it's all the same guidance for everybody. Oops. Oops. I'm going to recover my composure. I'm going to just patiently resign myself to the fact that I told you so. I didn't need to tell you. You understood this from the beginning. But so many people from the beginning said, no, Fauci's totally right. The vaccine is so wonderful. Everyone has to take it. Beep, boop, beep, boop, follow the science. No, no, no. There's no incompetence here. There are no ulterior motives. There are no liars. Beep, 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 boop. No, it's really important to destroy people's lives and businesses and livelihoods and families over this thing. Oh, whoops, never mind just going to take that in. I'm going to say, good, I'm glad we've moved past the vaccine thing. Every single person who lost their job, who was dismissed from the military, oh my gosh, there are people who had to leave the military because of this. Every single person should should get their job back. I don't, practically speaking, I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know how you put the pieces back together again after two and a half years. But it is total vindication. Total vindication for those of us who were always skeptical of Dr. Fauci, who never believed the hysteria, who were always skeptical of the claims of the technocrats. It's total vindication. 100%. I think you should have gotten it when Dr. Fauci lied about the masks and explained that he lied. I actually admitted that he lied about the masks. I think you should have probably understood it when Dr. Fauci called himself the representative of science. You definitely should have gotten it yesterday when Trump, when, when Dr. Fauci... Called himself a symbol of truth, of the truth. I think we get it now. I think think we get it now. Speaking of dubious science, Boston Children's Hospital is just putting its foot right on the accelerator of our one way trip to Gomorrah. They are now offering gender affirming hysterectomies for young girls. The slippery slope has gone, we're in warp speed on the slippery slope. It went from, we had a society where we understood that men and women are different to a society where men and women kind of seen as interchangeable. You know, feminism came around, a woman needs a man like fish needs a bicycle. Then to a society, especially you see this in the gay rights movement, where men and women's roles, including in Romantic partnerships are totally blurred, and a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. And then this was taken to its fullest extreme through transgenderism, where they said, no, a a woman literally can be a man and a man literally. Can be a woman, and then then we said actually, if that's true, then it can't just be true for adults. It's got to be true for kids because you know you're born this way, and you've you, you've got the soul of a woman in the body of a man from the moment that you're conceived. Even though you're not really a person when you're conceived, but you're only a person when the feminists want to admit that a baby's become a baby. But that's actually a side point. I digress. We have to trans the children. It's very important. We're going to bring transgenderism down to even elementary school, and we're going to at least at the very least put them on totally reversible. Uh, totally reversible puberty blockers, and those totally reversible cross-sex hormones. Even though all of these drugs that then get you on the hook to Big Pharma for life at a huge expense, huge profits for Big Pharma, even though they cause all sorts of problems, and you're beginning to see this osteoporosis, sometimes permanent sterility in kids, that's no big deal. Don't worry, it's totally reversible. Oh yeah, and now also we're going to surgically remove the wombs of children to accommodate this absurd fad this cult called transgenderism so says boston children's hospital here's the advertisement
3: gender affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophrectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed.
0: Smiley, smiley. Yeah, so um, what we're going to do is not everyone has to have their ovaries removed. Okay, you've noticed this, how liberal... Usually, white millennial women. They end every question, or every s- sentence rather, as though it were a question. And it always kind of ends up, and it's on a lilt, and it's really nice. It sounds nice, but you can tell there's a tension there because what they're talking about is totally insane and really, really scary and vaguely threatening. So, we're gonna remove your uh, fallopian tubes and maybe take out your ovaries. But at the very least, little kids, we're gonna remove your womb. <laughs> You, you expect, when you see this kind of evil in the country, you expect it to come with a pitchfork and horns and maybe a kind of scary, demonic voice. Or, listen, kids, we're going to cut your womb out. Ah, but, but it's not how it happens, actually. It's even more insidious than that. It happens in the name of compassion and being really nice you know, and being really polite. And that's why, little girls, we're going to chop your womb out. Because you mistakenly think you're a boy, and we're going to affirm you in that delusion. And then you're going to regret it later on, and we're going to have destroyed your body and your life. Uh Ha-ha. Ha-ha-ha. Obviously, this should be shut down. Anyone who is donating any money to this hospital should stop. Look, I'm sure the hospital does great work. Otherwise, they need to put massive pressure, cultural and social pressure, to, to shut down this clinic, which is really performing true evil on little kids. And then we need political pressure to shut this down from the level of the city and the state. It needs to be banned. The people who who perform these kinds of surgeries should be in prison. Certainly, uh, maybe maybe you have a kind of amnesty right now, <laughs> and you say, okay, people who were. Uh, wrongly doing this. You didn't understand it. It was legal. Okay, so we're not going to throw you in the gulags yet. But now we've passed this law. If anyone even so much as thinks about performing the surgery afterward, you're going to prison. We're throwing away the key. We're going to treat you so viciously in prison, it will be as though you danced around the Capitol Rotunda in a horn hat on January 6th. That's how harsh we're going to be to you for chopping out the wombs of little girls, you freaking psychos. It's everywhere. This ideology is everywhere in society now. It's not just on the extreme crazy fringes of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in some bizarre left wing city with a bunch of anarchists and misfits and miscreants running the show. This is happening in our elite institutions. Boston Children's Hospital is a prestigious institution. It's happening right here in my own town. I love Nashville. Nashville's so great. I've been a Nashvilleian now for two years or something. Love Tennessee. And you can even see it creeping in here. I, I fled at liberal California to be in a normal place. And yet here, you've got the elite girls school, Harpeth Hall, just announced. Even the elite school in Tennessee is going trans. Harpeth Hall dates back to 1865. It's an all-girls school. I don't have any daughters yet. I hope at some point to have daughters. I am. I think I might be too virile. I just keep producing men. I am just so filled to the brim with Y chromosomes and and just brute masculinity that I keep producing boys. But at some point, I may have a girl, and I hope I do, so that I can grant people favors on her wedding day. If I have a girl someday, if I am so blessed, I cannot send her to Harpeth Hall. I can't do it. Because Harpeth Hall— has just gone trans. Because Harpeth Hall, which was the girls' school in Tennessee, is no longer a girls' school, even though they're pretending to be a girls' school. Harpeth Hall produced Reese Witherspoon, Amy Grant, Minnie Pearl, lots of famous alumnae. Not alumni. Alumni would would imply just boys or boys and girls, but it's alumnae because it's just girls. But now they don't produce alumnae, they produce alumni. The website of the school says people need to live honorably and think critically until transgenderism, I guess. And then you throw a critical thought out the window. The school's board of trustees, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee has just created this new policy at the request of the school's administration. The policy claims that trustees, quote, have heard from experts on the topic, shared educational articles, and consulted with other girls' schools. So here's how I know I, I couldn't send my daughter to Harpeth Hall someday in Nashville, Because they they don't know anything about anything. They say they've consulted experts. But you don't need an expert to know boys and girls are different. You don't need to be an expert to know that boys can't become little girls and girls can't become little boys. So if the school at the very highest levels is so confused on this that they don't know the difference between boys and girls, then I can't trust them to teach my daughter anything because they don't know anything. They are demonstrating such a degree of ignorance and Idiocy, maybe willful ignorance, I suspect it is, that I couldn't couldn't trust them to teach my kids the ABCs. The policy, quote, any student who identifies as a girl may apply to our school. So they give in to the fad. And it's not going to turn out well. I mentioned this this quote yesterday on the show. I don't know if it's from Fulton Sheen or Dean Inge. I don't know. I think the Catholics and the Protestants fight over who gets to claim this quote. It's a brilliant quote. I love it, whoever said it. Whoever marries himself to the spirit of the age will find himself a widower in the next. If you marry yourself to the spirit of the age, you will become a widow in the next because the spirit of the age is always changing. And that's why you've got to ground yourself in eternal truths, not in passing fads. And transgenderism is a passing fad. That's not even a prediction. That's just an historical fact. Transgenderism has cropped up at various times throughout history in different forms, in different kinds of Transgender expressions, I guess you could say, but it's come up as the Gnostic dualist heresy. It's come up in a way as Albigensianism, Catharism. It's come up in, in various forms, and now it's coming up in this particular transgender way. It's already beginning to pass away in some cases. There's a, a wonderfully encouraging uh, report that's come out right now. There is an infamous uh, gender clinic in Great Britain. I've covered it on this show, It's called the Tavistock Gender Clinic in London. They offer, quote, gender-affirming care and puberty blockers to thousands of children. 1,000 families are now filing a medical negligence lawsuit against the clinic. They're they're targeting the Gender Identity Development Service at Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust, which they claim, rightly, uh, recklessly doled out puberty blockers with harmful side effects. Of course. these quote. This, this is from the, the people who are bringing this. The children have suffered life-changing and in some cases irreversible effects of the treatment they received. We anticipate at least 1,000 clients will join this action. Tip of the iceberg. This is just one clinic in just one part of the United Kingdom, not even here in the United States yet. We also predicted this on the show years ago. You are going to see sooner rather than later lawsuits being brought by people who as children were subjected to these medical experiments who later on realized that they're extremely harmful and they're going to sue their parents and they're going to sue the doctors and they're going to sue the government in some cases if the government is providing health care. Good, we need more of that. We need these, these institutions to be absolutely bankrupted. Ideally, you would see the people who perform these kinds of mutilations and experiments have their livelihoods destroyed, thrown in prison if possible, but at the very least co- totally ostracized. From public life at the very least until they repent and recant and beg, beg forgiveness of what they've done to these poor little kids. Speaking of dubious science, it's quite a story. Quite a story just came out. Uh, This was trending on social media yesterday. The story comes from CNBC. The earth spun faster than usual on June 29th and triggered climate anxiety. Here's how to cope. Did you suffer any climate anxiety? Did you have, I didn't know the earth spun faster. I mean, all of my colleagues are out of the office, either just not showing up or calling in sick. So it, it has felt faster to me because that sometimes when we work a lot or you know, I have a newborn kid at home, that makes the time feel like it's going a little faster because we have a lot to do. I, I don't generally feel the actual physical earth spinning faster. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much. I've got other things in my life to worry about than that. But some people, I guess, don't. What they worry about is climate anxiety. Here's how you can cope, by the way. Try a news detox. Designate a time or multiple times throughout the day when you don't consume any news. That's a good idea, at least when we're talking about CNBC, at least when we're talking about the Washington Post. I don't think you need to take a news detox from the Michael Knowles show because we're not... uh, uh, Selling you a bunch of ridiculous lies to freak you out and and just uh, force you into supporting our environmentalist program by fear-mongering and telling you the world is gonna end in nine years if you don't if you don't raise taxes on certain industries and drive a Tesla. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna lie to you and <laughs> manipulate you that way. So I don't think you need a detox from us. You definitely need a detox from these extremely toxic news sources, then. This one's my favorite. Find a community. Talk to others about what you're feeling and consider climate cafes. <laughs> These are groups that meet up to discuss the state of the world. Or you could just like go to church like you're supposed to, <laughs> because that's really what this is about, right? Find a community that you can get get together with and and. Talk about your energy and feelings to try to save the world. You're saying to pray. You really want to pray. That's the word you want to use. You just you don't know how to say it. So you're saying come into a community where you pray that you won't be destroyed and the world will be saved, and you're describing a church, but in this bizarre lib way. You're, you're taking your natural longing for God because man is a fundamentally religious being, but you're denying God and you're denying true religion. And so you're channeling it in all these bizarre ways. You'll, you'll feel a lot better if you just go to church, okay? You will. Rather than setting up coffee dates with a bunch of other liberal neurotics to talk about how the world's going to end in five minutes, just just go to church, okay? Okay. Take, take a detox from these absolute looney tunes. Take a detox from all the fear-mongering and the lies and, and the, the constant dishonesty and deception and just see things the way they are, all right? And so you'll feel a lot better when you turn, tune out that Washington Post and you tune out that CNBC and you recognize that there are more important things in the world than the ones the libs want you all to worry about. The corporate media not only control... What they want you to know, their agenda means that the news is presented in a biased way. You know it, I know it, we all know it. Thankfully, there's a way to get the most important news of the day without that narrative. That is by listening to one of the top news podcasts, Morning Wire. Morning Wire has new episodes available every morning, seven days a week. They cover stories other media outlets won't touch. You'll find Morning Wire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Daily Wire Plus, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, finally, we have reached my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the voice mailbag. Our mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Podcast to get your first month free. You'll get a free month. You'll save two-thirds on your cell phone service. You'll get the best service out there. You'll get great phones. And most importantly, you will keep the voice mailbag on the air. Take it away.
2: Hey, Michael, huge fan of the show. Also a big fan of the voice bag. Shout out to Pure Talk for making this happen. My question to you today is about South Park. So I've noticed that you've made multiple references to South Park. Not only does it appear in your book, Speechless, but also you've brought up episodes on the show before, like the transgender episode where he competes in sports and how ridiculous that is and how it's barely even satire. And then just a week or two ago, you talked about how South Park picked up on the fact that Donald Trump delivered a lot of his speeches in the cadence of a comedian and how they made a parody of that. So I have two questions. First, do you watch South Park? And second, Second, do you think it's okay to watch South Park? Because I think it's hilarious, I think it's extremely witty, and that it's a perfect use of satire to show us how ridiculous our, our society is. But also, it's extremely vulgar, it mocks religion, it mocks Christianity, and it has a lot of inappropriate themes, sexual innuendos, things like that. So is it okay to engage with South Park or similar media? and use it as entertainment, even if it doesn't align with our values. Thanks.
0: Great question. Yes, I think so. But as with anything, you've got to be a little careful. I think Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who made South Park, I think they're geniuses. I think South Park, generally speaking, is very well done. I don't really watch it anymore. I've been watching it since almost the first episodes, even when I was a little kid. Uh, I I just don't watch a ton of TV anymore. At, At most, I'll watch one episode of of one show every couple of days now. So I just, I but I love, I, I still really love South Park. They don't get everything right and they get some things pretty wrong. And you mentioned on religion, they get some things really, really wrong. I remember their episode about Mel Gibson and the Passion of the Christ movie. Which was, in part, very, very funny that they really missed it. They really missed the boat because, as I recall, the conclusion of that episode was, we shouldn't think about how Jesus died. We should just think about what he taught, which is just a really ignorant, shallow understanding of Christianity. The point actually is that he died and suffered in the Passion and on the cross, and then rises again from the dead in the resurrection and redeems man from sin, conquers sin on the cross, and then comes back up, and harrows hell and opens up the gates of heaven. And so if you, if you miss that, it just exposes a really shallow understanding of Christianity. But I think it's worth pointing out, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are not atheists. Well, what they've said, though, they mock all sorts of religions. They mock Mormonism famously. Uh, they, they say that of all the crazy, wild religious claims out there, I think it was Trey Parker made this point. He said, the craziest one I've ever heard is that this whole world that we're living in, everything, all of creation, all our loves and fears and hopes and dreams, it's all just because, just because whatever, you know? Huh? He says the craziest religion is atheism. And so I, though he mocks religion and maybe they haven't exhibited the highest level understanding of religion, uh, I don't think they're exactly hostile to religion necessarily. Um, and, and their political satire is very often really, really great, and especially in those early seasons, really, really funny stuff. Uh, so yeah, as, as with anything, you know, do, do I think it's okay to have a drink? I do. You should probably not have 15 drinks and then, you know, go get in your car and go on a rampage downtown, but enjoyed responsibly. I think South Park is, is really, really funny. Next question.
4: Hi, Michael. I am struggling to understand God and how He decides to answer prayers. I consider the countless times I have said a prayer for something trivial, like finding my car keys, and I believe to have God help me in those situations. I then relate this to a real desperate problem, such as a mother losing her children, to kidnapping, and she is trying desperately to find them. So often those children are never found, even though the loving parents may have prayed so fervently and lived righteously in the gospel. This contrast between the two makes me confused about prayer completely. Why would God help me discover the major I should take in school, the girls I should date, the friends I should find, but then so often won't help mothers and fathers find their lost children, or won't help a child escape, for instance, from a tyrannical government or abusive family? I believe prayer is essential in life to align ourselves to God, God's will, but these contrasting situations has me completely perplexed, but I think you can help me understand. Thanks so much.
0: Really good question. You're asking about two distinct concepts, and I think your confusion is coming, is because you're you're eliding the two a little bit. When we pray, Jesus tells us how to pray in the Gospels. He says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer goes on. Thy will be done is very, very important here. Then you fast forward to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where, where he's awaiting his passion and crucifixion. And he says, he he prays to God the Father. And he says, please, Father, let this cup pass from my lips. But not not my will be done, but thy will be done. So Christ anticipating experiencing the worst possible thing that anyone could possibly experience, that he uniquely can experience, that we actually can't even really (laughs) experience because we're not God. And he says, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. So when we ask things of God, and we, we of course, we ask things of God. There are different kinds of prayer. There's prayer where you're sort of just contemplating and, and adoring God and worshiping God. There's prayer where you are petitioning God and you're asking God for certain things. You know, when I was in that delivery room with sweet little Elise a couple weeks ago, you know, I was praying, please, God, let this all go okay. Let this all be safe and good and everything. And so I'm making an ask. Now, when we are making an ask of God, we are are relying on God's omnipotence and we're making an ask of God's omnipotence. We do not have the power And in the gospel when Christ says, ask and you shall receive. That does not mean that we have the power to boss God around. If we could boss God around, God would not be God. That would be incoherent. Frequently, when we ask things of God, we get them in a way that can be quite surprising (laughs) the first first few times it happens in a way that can seem miraculous and sometimes is miraculous. But you don't always get what you want. And in those cases, what we are called upon to do is trust not merely in God's omnipotence, but in God's omniscience, in God's all-knowing, in God's knowing that Listen, kid, I know you're upset now. I know this can be really hard. But where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I set the order to the universe? You really think you're going to do a better job than I am at this thing? I don't think so. A great way to think about this, and this has happened in my own life, is where you you are up for a job and you really want to get this job and this is your dream job and you think it'll make a great life. And then you don't get it and you're really disappointed, and you pray, and you say, why didn't I get that dream job? And then two seconds later, you end up in some other job that's way, way better and gives you a way, way, way better life, and you couldn't have known that. God knew that, but you couldn't have known that. And I I don't mean to suggest, by the way, that every time something you ask for that is material and you don't get it, that you're going to get something greater that is in the material world. You might not. You You might not get the dream job, and then you might get cancer, and then you might suffer for six years, and then you might die. And still, you might, you, you, you might, and I think, will ultimately be edified and sanctified by that. Or certainly, certainly, you could be. Certainly, that could be and will be the best possible world. Some people ask, why do we have free will? If we didn't have free will, then there wouldn't have been a fall in the garden, and then everything would be perfect. And darn it, Adam and Eve, why did you have to do that? How can this be the greatest of all possible worlds? How can God be all good if we live in this fallen world? And the conclusion it seems to me has to be that the, the fallen world with the incarnation and with the atonement is, is actually better than just Adam and Eve gallivanting around the Garden of Eden in perpetuity. This is what Christians exclaim on Easter when they say, oh happy fault that won for us so great, so glorious, a redeemer. Next question.
3: Hello Mr. Knowles. I am a Christian conservative Kansan and I voted no on the value them both amendment. I did not vote no because I am a squish, but precisely because I am not one. The VTB amendment's legislative wording would have impeded abortion from being fully banned in the future. Dobbs left it possible to regulate abortion in the states. This pro-life bill would cement regulation into our law and therefore not allow it to be banned. And so I voted no. To be clear, I am specifically an abolitionist. Our voting beliefs are different from the pro-life movement, since abolitionists only vote on legislature that bans abortion from conception, is immediate and uncompromising, and criminalizes all parties involved. Allowing exceptions for abortion is unbiblical. If we truly want abortion to be abolished in our country, we need to treat this crime as one by giving it criminal consequences for both the doctor and the parents no matter the circumstances the child was conceived in. I'm curious as to what your take is on my decision to vote no and on the abolitionist movement as a whole.
0: Really, really good question. Uh, The short answer is I disagree with your stance tactically, but not, not in principle. So you're you're referencing this uh, Kansas referendum, this amendment that came up for a referendum that failed. And I, I should point out, I, I just read some headlines about it on the show. And people wrote in and they said, Michael, you misrepresented what the amendment was. And I have no doubt that I did. I was basically just reading some amendments about, uh, some headlines rather, about the amendment. And I think part of the reason it failed and part of, part of the uh, controversy around it is because there was some confusion, especially in the press, probably intentional about what that amendment would do. So let's take, take your understanding of, of the amendment that actually this could really hurt us in the long term because it would make it impossible to get totally perfect pro life legislation and therefore you voted no. I totally respect that uh, stance uh, and I, I'll plead ignorance on the minutia of the amendment to begin with. So I'll, I'll zoom it out from the, that specific Kansas amendment to the issue more broadly. I am perfectly willing. To take a 90% win and then try to get the next 10% later on. I think that's fine. I generally fear letting the perfect get in the way of the good. I'm perfectly willing to make incremental change. You might object and say, no, the incremental change is actually going to reduce the likelihood that we get the the perfect uh, outcome that I want. I don't think that's true. I think that the way politics works is through momentum. So I think incremental change actually will help us to achieve a kind of perfect goal, in this case, banning abortion, period. Uh, But reasonable people can disagree on that. The disagreement that we're having is merely tactical, though. I don't think it's a disagreement on the principle. Next question.
3: Hey, Michael. Uh, My question is in regards to childhood sports. I've got one son who is very athletic and has shown interest in pretty much all sports, but has definitely expressed interest in playing football one day. Um, And given how dangerous it is, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on football and if you plan to let your sons play if they want to, or if you plan on trying to steer them more towards, you know, soccer or tennis or baseball, basketball, what have you. Thanks, Michael.
0: Just knowing the Knowles genes uh, probably uh, this is an unfounded fear that I would have that they will be football stars, um, but uh, maybe it's possible. L- listen, my eldest son—he's got a really good arm—and my newborn son—he came out looking like a real bruiser. So maybe they'll be—they'll be real, you know, tough kids. I mean, my gosh, the second kid came in he was over nine pounds. You know, he's a big, big guy. So maybe, maybe they'll be uh, big stars. I would—I would not guide them to soccer, which I think is uh, an abomination. I would probably guide them uh, toward baseball, the real American pastime. Uh, football is, is a little bit dangerous. I agree with that. And so I would, I would, I would be hesitant. I would, have, I would take a moment and probably discourage them from that. I also think baseball is a better sport. Uh, but I would at least be open to it, uh, though I would, I would guide them in the direction of baseball. I want to get to at least one or two regular mailbag questions before we go. From Julia. Michael, love the show. I believe every child needs both a mother and a father, which is why I don't support gay adoption. Sounds like you agree with this idea. This led me to wonder if you also believe single people should be barred from adopting. Thoughts? Thanks. Yes, absolutely, single people should be barred from adopting. If you believe that men and women both have something to offer humanity And children, then I don't understand how you can support homosexual adoption or single adoption. I know that some people really want to have kids. Homosexuals want to have kids, single people want to have kids. It's not about you, it's about the kid. The only people who can be said to have rights in that kind of situation, we're talking about the upbringing of kids, are the kids. So, no, there are 36 couples estimated for every uh, one newborn baby put up for adoption in the United States, 36 couples who want to adopt, so we should prioritize people who are married, who are actually married, man and woman, in a real marriage to adopt those children. No question. Last question from Kyle. Michael, when will Senator Cruz announce you as his running mate? Thanks, Kyle. There are a few issues with that. One, uh, Senator, I'm not being coy here or anything. I don't know if Senator Cruz is going to run for president in 2024. And then there's this minor issue, which is that I'm constitutionally ineligible at the moment uh, because I will not be 35 on the day of the election or the inauguration. So we're just going to have to wait. Going to have to wait at least one more cycle. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. associate producer, Justine Turley, audio mixer, Mike Coromina, and hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart.
4: Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2022.